coming up in this episode. Lock her up. That's right. Get that's right. Lock her up. Mike Flynn. Who is he? Really? The controversial former national security advisor for President Donald Trump. President Trump has severely criticized the various agreements reached between Iran. As of today, we are officially putting Iran on notice. Thank you. He went from a fast-track four-star general. Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, and I'm the uh, director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. To being fired. After a year of silence, he exploded on the political scene with this. So... Crooked Hillary Clinton, leave this race now. And then he became national security advisor, but not before his relationship with Russia was revealed. Was the president aware that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was acting as a foreign agent when he appointed him to be the national security advisor? Uh, I don't uh, I don't believe that that was known. On this episode of Target USA, we'll take a closer look at Mike Flynn with a never-before-broadcast interview during that year of silence. It may shed some light on his relationship with Vladimir Putin and other Russian agents. We have to understand what is what are the intentions behind what uh, President Putin is actually trying to achieve. All of that starts right now. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Crooked Hillary Clinton. The first glimpse most Americans got of Mike Flynn came on July 20th, 2016, at the Republican National Convention. We do not need a weak, spineless president who is more concerned about issuing apologies than in protecting Americans. We, we do not need a reckless president who believes she is above the law. Lock her up. That's right. Get, that's right. Lock her up. I'm going to tell you what. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I use, I use... Hashtag never Hillary. That's what I use. His provocative remarks took many by surprise because he was a retired four-star general. It's highly unusual for members of that club to take a partisan political stand. But it was clear by the end of the convention, Flynn marched to the beat of a different drummer. It was also clear he'd secured a significant position in the Trump administration. He became national security advisor, but something went wrong. 24 days into the administration, he was fired. Unsavory information turned up about his relationship with the Russian government. Turns out the U.S. intelligence community had collected 
intelligence on him, incidentally, because of his relationship with the Russian ambassador to the U.S., Sergei Kislyak. It's not clear what's been turned up in those investigations, because they're ongoing and much of it is classified. But sources have told me one of the key concerns is that Flynn might have given the Russians a heads up about U.S. sanctions before Mr. Trump took office, sanctions the Obama administration had in play. But that's not why he was fired by the Trump administration. Supposedly, he was fired by the Trump team because of his non-disclosure of his activities with the Russian government and certain Russian agencies. And there's great concern about the possibility that he took money that he should not have taken. On April 25th, Oversight Committee Chair Jason Chaffetz said it looks as though Flynn might have broken the law. As a former military officer, you simply cannot take money from Russia, Turkey, or anybody else. Uh, and it appears as if he did take that money, it was inappropriate, uh, and there are repercussions for the violation of law. Maryland Congressman Elijah Cummings, ranking member of the committee, is deeply concerned. Right now, we cannot discuss the contents of the documents that we just saw because they are indeed classified. But we can say this, they are extremely troubling. Uh, we have concerns, and I believe these documents should be declassified to the fullest extent possible without compromising sources and methods. So first of all, why, why did that Part happen? of what Chaffetz and Cummings are talking about relates to, to a speech that Flynn gave for the 10th anniversary of RT, or Russian TV, for which he was paid $30,000. But there's also evidence of other activity for which he was paid. And there are other concerns about other countries for which he might have done work and had been paid. We've reached out several times to Mike Flynn for his side of the story, but obviously he hasn't reached back. But on April 25th, his attorney, Robert Kellner, sent us a statement. And that statement reads, as has previously been reported, General Flynn briefed the Defense Intelligence Agency, a component of DOD, extensively regarding the RT speaking event trip, both before and after the trip. And he answered any questions that were posed by DIA concerning the trip during those briefings. It's not clear what Mike Flynn was thinking, what he did, or what he didn't do. But what we do know is that we met him in 2013 when he was head of the DIA. And something that he did that day suggested that he was indeed a maverick. So before we go into our never-before-broadcast interview, we go back to that time in 2013 to set the stage. 9.51 a.m., August 23rd, 2013, DIA headquarters. It's kind of like every day. Lieutenant General Mike Flynn surprises everyone in the room when he stands up and tells his staff. Hey, so 20 minutes, I'll be back. Yes, sir. Okay. He begins walking with this reporter and a few staffers towards a secret place that no reporter has ever seen. I want to show you a place because it'll give you an impression. Now, I kind of know what they're doing right now, so I'm okay with bringing you in there, but give you an impression of our ability to watch the world. The fast-paced, unprecedented walk through one of the most secretive places in the intelligence community was punctuated by the fact that an audio recording device was allowed to capture it all. 
10.05 a.m. DIA headquarters. General Mike Flynn was leading the way, layer by layer, unveiling DIA's enormous global responsibility. Every country on Earth, thousands of personnel, multiple war zones, hotspots, a constant fire hose of information pouring at him. It's kind of like every day uh, we're trying to put together this 5,000-piece puzzle but we don't have the box top to look at. So how do you keep an eye on all this? It's tough. I, I do it through really trusting the leaders that we have. Yeah. So, Hey, Earl, how you doing? Good, good, good. Obviously, you have to have briefings and meetings and, yeah, that's right. and all of that, too. That's right. Yeah. So when does that start for you? Uh, for me, it starts, it, it, it starts about, well, it starts probably about 4.30 every morning. Is this a situation where you have... Uh, a briefing to kind of get up to speed, or is it just a constant stream of it's stuff a, it's overnight? Like, it's like eating five meals a day instead of sitting down at, at dinner, you know? And it's constantly going up. Uh, it's constantly being fed to you. You know, I have to discipline myself in my own, what I call my own battle rhythm. A rhythm that reverberates throughout the entire agency. 10, 15 a.m. DIA headquarters. Flynn is wrapping up an unprecedented tour of DIA's top-secret global operations center. During the course of our visit, he also talked about the key threats to the nation. And at the top of that list is a growing problem. A cyber attack on components of our critical infrastructure in this country is by far one of the most dangerous things that we face today. And I think that the American public needs to know more and more about this. And that's a critical aspect of it all, because out here on the streets of Washington, D.C. and across America, the threat may not be obvious. But if you could draw a dark line between every wireless device that's connected to another device or some other wireless source around you, some experts say the sky might be significantly obscured. And each one of those lines represents a cyber vulnerability. And the weaknesses in our systems may be, you know, our banking system, could be our telecommunications infrastructure, could be our Federal Aviation Administration, could be our health care system, could be our water purification capabilities. They could be attacked remotely or by terrorists here at home. Those are three segments from 2013 that were put together to summarize our time with Mike Flynn while he was head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. It's very interesting that he referred to cyber attacks. He referred to hacking into and attacking U.S. systems when he finds himself now at the very center of an investigation into a Russian active measures campaign and being accused of inappropriate activity involving the Russians. Eight months after our interview, before his term ended, Mike Flynn resigned, but others say that he was fired by the Obama administration. A part of the reason? Allegedly, the maverick that was in him. The tour that he gave us of the DIA came to the surprise of many of his staff members. And others say some of his activities in his leadership position rubbed people on his staff and in the Obama administration the wrong way. And now, as promised, the never-before-broadcast interview. About two years ago to the day, that would have been 2015, we caught up with Mike Flynn for an interview. And interestingly enough, a part of that interview was about Russia. I didn't think much about it at the time, 
but hindsight is always twenty twenty. And when you when you when you look around at some of the the developments that are that are taking place, specifically Russia mm-hmm. and the way Russia is behaving uh, and engaging, uh, and some of the things that we see coming from the Russian military. When you look at the Arctic, mm-hmm. you know they're definitely trying to uh, gear up to to make a play there to to be to be dominant in that region. But so are many other countries in the world flocking to the Arctic to mm-hmm. do uh, whatever they feel is most prudent and uh, uh, the best for them and their country. So, speaking of Russia, um, give me your view on it and how the U.S postures or, or or prepares itself to deal with them. Yeah. Russia is an interesting case study. And this, this uh, what we've seen over the last, just over a year now, because I think it was February 27th of uh, last year, when, uh, when Russia um, essentially took over Crimea. And now we've seen a year of this, what I refer to as a resurgence in Russian capabilities and Russian aggression. Now, we should not be surprised that uh, that that this is the case. Um, one of the greatest concerns by Russia is not necessarily the West. It is the periphery of the Russian Republic or republics, plural. And their big concern, I, I was in Russia not too long ago. I mean, a little over a year ago now uh, where I visited my counterpart. And it's interesting what we talked about. We really didn't talk about the, you know, the West or, you know, the sort of us versus them, we talked about the rise of radical Islam on the periphery of the Russian, uh, um, you know, the Russian republics right now. And we also talked about sharing lessons learned from what we were learning in Afghanistan, because it, clearly they have a lot of things that they could share with us. And especially as, as we transitioned, as we were transitioning out of Afghanistan, we were sharing a lot of lessons that, um, that we have learned. Uh, in other places of the world. And so it was actually a very cordial meeting that we had. And, and yet, you know, a few months later, here we are with this, with this uh, very, very aggressive Russia on their western border in, in, uh, in Ukraine. And I think that what we have to be very careful of, and this is not necessarily just their military forces, we have to understand what, is, what are the intentions behind what Uh, President Putin is actually trying to achieve. And I think that part of it is, if you look even at, uh, I think it was the 2008 timeframe, and my year's right, on uh, on the attack into Abkhazia and Ossetia in the state of Georgia. You know, those those Russian forces are still there in those two places, even though there was a discussion afterwards to to pull out, to, to ask them to pull out, they're still there. So we shouldn't expect Russia to pull out of where they're at right now in the Ukraine. What Putin's grand grander strategy is if you just look at the history of Russia is to not be the the sitting Russian leader that allows any more of the Russian Republic to be broken apart that's essentially where he's where his head is at I mean in gen, in general there's a probably a bunch of other operational and and tactical you know concerns and issues but he is not going to be the guy who's in charge of of Russia that's going to allow any more of this country to break apart and I think that's what he saw with, uh, with the, uh, the events that were playing out um, in Ukraine, uh, frankly, right after the Sochi Olympics. I mean, if you think about the timing, what, what 
Putin actually wanted was he wanted he wanted an enormous amount of international goodwill following the Sochi Olympics. And what happened? Nobody even talked about the Sochi Olympics and all the security concerns we had about that. Nobody even talked about them because almost immediately after that, boom, we have the crisis in Crimea. And now a year later, we're talking about this resurgence of Russia and Putin's out there talking about he, he you know, he used the word nuclear the other day, uh, you know, which is which is actually very concerning. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very paying very close attention to what are the grand strategic goals and intentions of Putin. And we have to have a conversation with him about it. We, we can't. We can't just fight this in the media. We have to have. In my case, in my, in, you know, my belief, we have to have at the top of this government, top of our government, has to have a conversation with the top of their government. The United States has to, you know, people are asking for the U.S. to lead. And, uh, and I, to me, we, we have to be able to juggle more than one ball at one time. And, and it, I feel today that we're having a difficult time even juggling the Iraqi ball. Mm. You know, it's interesting I've discovered that when you look at what, the Russians have been doing in eastern Ukraine, you see a lot of uh, activity by these so-called uh, separatists, or, separatists right. dressed in right. unmarked uh, uniforms, black uniforms yeah, that appear. little green men or something like that. I mean, Yeah, that have popped up and appeared there. But, you know, just doing a review through history, they're not that unusual. Uh, this isn't the first time that a Russian leader has done this, because when you look at what took place in 1961 in East, in West Germany, mm-hmm. Nikita Khrushchev did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. There were men, unmarked uniforms uh, that popped up. Former Republic of Yugoslavia is another example. I mean, so there's other examples out there in, in the history of uh, of how these types of forces have been applied to achieve uh, tactical to strategic goals mm-hmm. on behalf of, of not just Russia, but other countries, you know, throughout history. So absolutely. And, 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 and this should not be a surprise. And when we look at, you know, as a military intelligence, uh, action or activity, we would look at what we call order of battle, the order of battle of a, uh, of an adversary. And, this is part of the order of battle of this particular adversary, in this case, uh, the Russian military. And, and it's a smart, actually a smart application of a capability that they have. It's, I mean, if you look at level of effectiveness, it appears they've been pretty damn effective. So uh, now we, we have what we have to do is we've got to get into this uh, a much broader political discussion. Uh, and I'm not I'm not uh, um, optimistic that it's going in the right direction right now. Because again, yeah. it gets back to our ability, the United States' ability to juggle multiple things, multiple crises around the world, uh, because we haven't even talked about, you know, the, the eastern side of the world, which is, you know, Asia Pacific, mm-hmm. which, which gives us another couple of crystal balls to juggle. And so I'm, I'm concerned that we are, uh, we are having a difficult time and, and we shouldn't, we should not have that difficult time. We have enough people to, that understand these these issues that have a, a deep understanding of these issues. And we have to demonstrate through really, uh, JJ, what I believe is our economic strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not so much our diplomatic strength these days, but clearly our economic strength is still there. And we need to, to sway that, use that uh, economic strength to sway uh, how we uh, get others to contribute 
how we will participate or not participate, and how we influence uh, others in the world. And that was the interview from 2015 in April. Eight months later, Flynn, in December, was in Russia making a paid appearance that he said was booked through his Speakers Bureau. He was paid $30,000 or more. I'm not sure of the exact figure for that appearance. And it was around the same time that he was photographed at a dinner sitting next to Vladimir Putin. Now, we just heard him discussing how it's important to understand what Russia's thinking and what Putin's thinking. And in case you missed it, here it is again, that clip. We have the crisis in Crimea, and now a year later we're talking about this resurgence of Russia, and Putin's out there talking about, he, he, you know, he used the word nuclear the other day, uh, you know, which is, which is actually very concerning. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very, paying very close attention to what are the grand strategic goals and intentions of Putin, and we have to have a conversation with him about it. We don't know what Flynn and Putin discussed during their time together. There are more questions than answers about that and Flynn's connections to Sergei Kislyak, the former Russian ambassador to the U.S., who, by the way, explained his connection to the Trump campaign team during an appearance at the Detroit Economic Club on October 27th of 2016. He has... Your embassy met with uh, either of the political campaigns, the Trump campaign or the Clinton campaign, during the course of this? Uh, What do you call campaign? I was invited, for example, to vote uh, conventions. Mm -hmm. I was uh, the first, that was Republican convention, but then unexpectedly, while being there, I was called back to Moscow for a reason that has nothing to do with the elections. So I, I wasn't there. But we had invitations to both. So have you met, uh, talking about Cleveland, with any of the uh, Trump advisors or uh, Mr. Trump himself? No. Uh, but we met those people who came to see all the ambassadors who were sitting in a special lounge. They're uh, specifically reserved for the diplomatic corps. And I was among those who were there talking to members of the Congress, to uh, all other people who care to come to us and talk to us. It's not clear when Flynn got involved with the Trump campaign, but eventually, after Donald Trump won the presidency, Flynn became the national security advisor. And early on, he appeared in the press room one day and he flexed. Recent Iranian actions involving a provocative ballistic missile launch and an attack against a Saudi naval vessel conducted by Iran-supported Houthi militants underscore what should have been clear to the international community all along about Iran's destabilizing behavior across the entire Middle East. The recent ballistic missile launch is also in defiance of UN Security Council Resolution 2231. In these and other similar activities, Iran continues to threaten U.S. friends and allies in the region. The Trump administration condemns such actions by Iran that undermine security, prosperity, and stability throughout and beyond the Middle East, and place, which places American lives at risk. President Trump has severely criticized the various agreements reached between Iran and the Obama administration, as well as the United Nations, as being weak and ineffective. Instead of being thankful to the United States in these agreements, Iran is now feeling emboldened. As of today, we are officially putting Iran on notice. Thank you. But 24 days into the administration, 
Flynn was fired for allegedly not disclosing his previous activities related to Russia and other countries. This is an exchange between reporters in the White House briefing room and Press Secretary Sean Spicer. But was the President aware that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was acting as a foreign agent when he appointed him to be the National Security Advisor? Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't believe that that was known. Um, I would refer you to uh, General Flynn and to the Department of Justice in terms of the filings that have been made. Had, had the President have known that, would he have appointed him? I, I don't know, John. That's a hypothetical that I'm not prepared to ask. I don't, I don't, I don't know what he discussed prior to, um, prior to being appointed in terms of his background, his resume, his client base. I don't know any of that. I know that uh, from what I've read that he has filed uh, the appropriate forms with the Department of Justice. And I think you should ask that him and, and subsequently them if you have any questions about the specific filing. Target USA has asked the Flynn camp several times for clarification about various aspects related to his situation, but have gotten no answers except the statement from his attorney, Robert Kellner, regarding the payments and RT. We asked the FBI as well about the situation. In fact, two specific questions. One, is the FBI formally investigating Michael Flynn? The FBI said no comment on the first question. Our second question, is there an ongoing FBI investigation into allegations of a Russian active measures campaign in the U.S.? They referred us to FBI Director Jim Comey's testimony on March 20th before the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. As you know, our practice is not to confirm the existence of ongoing investigations, especially those investigations that involve classified matters. But in unusual circumstances, where it is in the public interest, it may be appropriate to do so, as Justice Department policies recognize. This is one of those circumstances. I have been authorized by the Department of Justice to confirm that the FBI, as part of our counterintelligence mission, is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. And that includes investigating the nature of any links between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the Russian government, and whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russia's efforts. As with any counterintelligence investigation, this will also include an assessment of whether any crimes were committed. Because it is an open, ongoing investigation and is classified, I cannot say more about what we are doing and whose conduct we are examining. Flynn's name, along with those of former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort and operatives Carter Page and Roger Stone have come up, all caught in a situation. Members of Congress have used words like troubling, disturbing, dangerous to describe the situation. And one member went further than others. Texas Congressman Joaquin Castro talking to CNN's Wolf Blitzer. My impression is uh, I wouldn't be surprised after all of this is said and done that some people end up in jail. Stay tuned as we continue to cover the Mike Flynn story on Target USA. But in the meantime, coming up in the next episode of Target USA, whether it's North Korea's nuclear weapons, Syria's chemical weapons, terrorism, espionage, a cyber attack on the U.S., next week on this program, some intriguing episode will be right here for you to enjoy. I'm J.J. Green, and this 
is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, this is Richard Marks, the host of Song Talks, right here on Podcast One. Every week, I will explore the impact music has on our lives through interviews with singers, songwriters, and other amazing guests about the classic songs that have impacted them. Check out Song Talks every Wednesday at PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe at iTunes.